Baseball is back. Let's talk to the pros. Welcome in, everybody, to Fantasy Pros. This is the Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It is me, Joey P. Joe Pizapia. With me is Insider the Welsh. That's right. He's now an MLB insider because he's down there in spring training on the fields. He's shagging flies. He's getting tan. And we've got a great guest for you today from CBS. My dude, Frank Stample, is going to join us. And today, baseball is back when last we left you. It was a somber tone. Paul Sporer and the Welsh were in a uh, quite a dust-up. It was very yeah. reminiscent of Jose Batista and Rugnet Odor going at it. We didn't think baseball was happening. We've come back here this week Who now though, with a fresh attitude. Um, Are you going to say I took it on the chin? Oh, okay. Here, I, oh, no, you're saying I take it on the chin. I'm Batista. I took it on the chin. I, I think not because you took it on the chin, just because Paul Sporer was swinging. Paul Sporer was swinging, and point. he was basically didn't care what he was swinging. He at. was just swinging but at now, the air, just at nothing. He was. He was swinging at the air, and he was, and he would say, "Go ahead, you talk," and then he would swing again at you. And yeah. I felt like that's kind of why he has to be Odor in this. Not uh, that okay. you, right. not that you couldn't throw a punch, Welsh. I believe you're a big, strong guy. But anyway, we've got transactions to talk about. We got injuries to talk about. We have got draft day bargains to talk about. Frank Stample. I am so grateful to have you on the show. Everybody knows Frankie. Frank. Frank is super famous. He, he hosts, obviously, the Fantasy Baseball Today pod over at CBS. Frank, how are you feeling now that baseball is back? Oof. Relieved, but also overwhelmed. There is so much going on right now in the baseball world, so we're reacting to it in real time. All these trades, signings, Tatis, motorcycles, everything's going crazy right now, but I'm happy to be here. Two of my favorite people in the industry, and I really do mean that. I'm not just yeah. saying it. Are you... A- and the Welsh, my guy. Are you allowed to have that beard with that hat on? I thought there was a Yankee rule where you can't have that Rugi beard. I'm pretty sure you got to shave that off, Frank. Mm. Honestly, I was growing it out until baseball was back, and now I just kind of like it. So you, you look kind of Rugi. I think you, uh, Frank might be throwing the punches here. It's a it's a fantasy pro sandwich <laughs> with CBS in the middle. Gotta love it. Love Frank. I, I do kind of I do kind of see the Rugi thing he's got. Yeah, going you see on. the it's kind of Rugi. Yeah. Yeah, and this is why you have to subscribe to the YouTube channel, Fantasy Pros MLB channel, specifically because I feel like when he takes the cones off, the headphones off, the hat, the beard, everything comes with it. It's like a whole thing. He just puts it on for the show, and he takes it off. Frank, punch piece. your microphone, <laughs> please. Please punch your microphone so we can really make sure if you're Rugi. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, before we start throwing haymakers here, I want to remind everybody we got a giveaway for you, fantasypros.com slash MLB contest. We are giving away... An Austin Riley autographed jersey. Not too shabby right there. Braves breakout star of 2021. Well, guess what? You can have that autographed jersey thanks to our friends at Pristine Auction. All you have to do is subscribe to our Fantasy Pros YouTube channel, youtube.com slash MLB. Again, MLB channel. It's where you're going to find leading off every single morning with me and the Welsh and friends. Welsh loves the friends part. Ooh, I like. <laughs> wait, I like that. Joe Welsh and friends. That's great. Joe Welsh. See, you got upgraded. You were just friends. I do. Now it's and friend and Welsh and friends. So I there like you it. go. That makes me and happy. <laughs> after that, all you got to do is screenshot that bad boy. Go to fantasypros.com slash contest and enter to win that Austin Riley autographed jersey. And don't forget about our Discord channel too. We're going to be having stages on there. We're going to be taking your MLB questions. So that's going to be happening. I'm going to be running a couple of those very soon. I think in the next week or so, we're going to kick those off with your draft questions, your trade questions. That's fantasypros.com slash chat. Free to join. 
but you upgrade, you get access to all of our premium channels. They are including those stages, which are so useful for everybody. Uh, and I cannot, I cannot stress enough how great our Discord community is too. It's a really strong group of fantasy players, fantasy enthusiasts, fantasy insane maniacs, and I love them all. Our peanuts and cracker jacks. So let's get kicking here, and let's start off with the big news: Fernando Tatis Jr. may have surgery, may not have surgery. I don't know. Frank, you are our guest today. Well, sure, he failed us because he saw Fernando Tatis's brother, and he didn't ask him what the deal is. I so missed, you're already a failure today. You know, you're a failure today, Welsh. So right. I'm going to go to you instead, Frank. Tatis, this news, obviously huge. Let's say he does have the surgery. Let's live in that hypothetical world. He could miss all the way up and not be back until June. Where does this bump Fernando Tatis down in your redraft rankings right now? Yeah, so I'm currently ranking him as if he is going to have surgery and miss all that time. So I moved him down to 17 in my shortstop rankings, which... Sounds like a massive drop. It is. I mean, he was my number one overall player, and and rightfully so. Even last year, dealing with the shoulder injury, he was fantastic. He was like the fifth overall player in Roto, regardless of that. So I got him just behind Willie Adamas and Dansby Swanson, just ahead of Jake Cronenworth and Chris Taylor. We did a mock draft last night, and he went 85th overall. So I think he's kind of somewhere in that like 80 to 120 range right now overall. And, and it's just a tough situation because it's a fluid situation. There's details coming out we don't know if he's going to have the surgery but if he does that's where i have him ranked as of now that's where i have him too i moved him down i think he's at 90 overall or somewhere right there um also i think i have him at shortstop 16 or 15 overall i can't remember exactly where but i moved him basically behind bobby wood jr because i think that's my threshold it's do i want to take a full season of the rookie who i really believe in or half a season of tatis i think i want the rookie because i want the games i want the volume it's one thing in season long roto but welsh these head-to-head leagues this kind of a time miss can absolutely crush you. So where have you had to adjust with Tatis and what's your instincts tell you here? If you've got a draft coming up this weekend, you kind of have to make some hard choices here. Yeah, no, I'm with you guys. I did kind of the same thing. I want to say I've got him at like 86, 87. I also put him right below Wit. And uh, actually in the Discord, there's a private little uh, Chris Welsh AMA room and our boy LC had asked this exact question. And I said the same thing. I said, listen, at this point, I believe Bobby Wood Jr. is going to start the year. He's been working third base uh, with the majors. There's an incentive now for teams to have these guys be on the opening day roster. Makes all the sense in the world. So, you know, two and a half months. I mean, we're talking like, okay scenario is probably two, maybe just under. Worst case scenario could be three months into the season or even beyond. I mean, what if there's also like a shoulder surgery and what that takes away? That... That old ad is a juice worth the squeeze. He's awesome when he's out there, but the time missed, even if it's Roto, even if it's counting on the back end, I think, you know, a best ball or something is completely different. But uh, I'm not super interested, though. I do acknowledge this one thing, is that when I get into drafts, because someone asked me about this, I do feel like probably after the fourth round, he's going to be on my radar. You know, you're going to see his name. Uh, another one, I don't think we're going right. to talk about him, but, you know, Ronald Acuna didn't exactly get the most um, rousing endorsement this past week. You know, we talked about him last week, Joe, in, hey, you know, if we're missed games, blah, 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 that's not happening. And then they came out and said, they hope he's back by May. It could be late May. So Ronald Acuna is in a similar situation that you're going to be into the third round and you might see Acuna and Tatis on your draft board. It's going to be enticing let somebody else be the one that does the overreach because to Frank's point, like when he said Dansby and, and uh, Willie Adamas, those sound gross. Those sound super gross. Like, bleh. but the production you're going to get from them for three months 
is anything with very little risk compared to what you have with Tati. So uh, the sad, unfortunate news is we, I think we got to dump him down past 75 and then, you know, God willing to you in the format you play in and how you can cover for him if you want to uh, jump in. I could see on Frank's face that he was not happy about your disparaging of Willie Adams. I, I like Willie Adams, but like, blah, like who wants <laughs> Willie Adams is like your top guy. Frank, <laughs> save it, save it for, save it for the draft day bargains, Frank, save it for that. Don't worry, you can unleash on Welsh later. Let's talk about Matt Olson. <laughs> Matt Olson, uh, apparently on the move, uh, and the Oakland A's are making moves. Matt Olson moves to the Atlanta Braves, a, a better home ballpark certainly for him. And then they signed to an eight-year extension, not too shabby. I mean, Matt Olson, forty dingers last year, a hundred and a hundred. It's a pretty darn good player. And now all of a sudden, he is moving to. The Atlanta Braves and Frank, I was looking and the prop for him was 30 to one to lead the uh, league in home runs. I was jumping on that yesterday. I think that's a fantastic mm. one. But from a fantasy standpoint here, this means that Freddie Freeman's not coming back. So how do you unpack this here for Matt Olson, this move that the Braves made? Yeah, I think overall it's a net positive, right? He moves to a seemingly better ballpark, a better lineup around him as well. Interestingly enough, you look on StatCast, you scroll down, they sit, they show how many home runs he would hit in each ballpark, right? So last year he hit 39 mm -hmm. home runs overall. And if he played all of his games in Atlanta and all of his batted balls were hit the exact same way, he only would have had 34 home runs. So I found that interesting mm. uh, overall. I still think it's a, a better park shift for him. It's a better lineup around him. Uh, he was awesome last year. He made huge strides in terms of strikeout rate against left-handed pitching. And that's really what afforded him uh, the ability to break out and have the best season of his career. However, I worry about guys changing leagues, especially players that are being drafted this early too. I mean, his ADP is in the middle of the third round right now and that skill set as well. I, I get it, the power, it's enticing, but in a categories league, I'm typically looking for some kind of speed in my first three, four rounds. In a points league, I'm probably looking for pitching at that point. So he's just not a skill set that I typically target in you know that part of the draft. Uh, and I do worry that there could be a transition period here going from the American League to the National League. We saw it with Francisco Lindor. Honestly, we've seen it with a bunch of stars uh, basically as long as we've been playing this game. So I worry a little bit for Matt Olson. I'm not going to be the one drafting him in the third round. All right. Well, sure. You're going to be the one drafting him in the third round. It seems like, you know, 35, 95, 95 is a pretty good bid. That sounds like a pretty great third round player to me. Yeah, Frank said it pretty much how I would have said it as well. Like, I actually think this is a good positive for the support that's around. I think there's a higher RBI opportunity. Right. Uh, there's a lot of just offensive support that's across this team. Much different team, Oakland to uh, the Atlanta Braves. But from a roster construction standpoint, that's not what I'm looking at first baseman. I pass on Matt Olson all the time. If he were to fall, I'd be interested. He's not going to fall because now he's a brave. He's gotten out of Oakland and he's going to be a brave. And Frank's also right. There's a transitional thing. Uh, another guy to throw in there, Manny Machado from a couple years ago. We see that transitional change. I think this could be a little bit different. Um, but, you know, you say that and you go and look at Manny Machado and all the guys they had around that. He had the same thing. He's just not as fun as he is. He's not in that target range. I love Pete Alonso, but kind of same thing. I like that big, big in power, but I would like it to fall a little bit. And Olsen does not. And the trade is not going to change anything. So net positive, I agree with. Draft target due to uh, his cost, probably not for me. Shout out to Pete Alonso, too. Car flips three times in an accident. He walks away from it. Kick, he kicked he the, the windshield out. Man, he's a that's tough crazy. SOB. Pete Alonzo, ladies and gentlemen. That's my dude right there. All right, there were some trades, too. The Mariners acquired outfielder Jesse Winker and third baseman 
Eugenio Suarez from the Reds. They got Justin Dunn, Brandon Williamson, Jake Fraley back. Welsh, what do you make of this trade here? Obviously, the Reds are shedding a ton of salary. Who knows if Castillo is next? But Jesse Winker and Suarez, I mean, two players that we've liked in fantasy over the years, and different years, certainly. Last year, Winker was tremendous, but now you're moving him out of Cincinnati. What are your thoughts here and what this does to their fantasy value? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. When Winker was in the minors, his big thing was he was like a high, high contact hitter who really struggled to find mm -hmm. his power in the minors. Then when yeah. he came up, he had these short little bursts where it was like, oh, he hit eight homers and 150 at-bats, and we kind of got excited. Then he kind of found himself. I don't obviously love the ballpark change for him, but... I still think this is an overall positive because the Reds, not a great, great team. It's a great ballpark. Um, Seattle's not going to be playing in Seattle for every single game, just half of them. Uh, I like the team. I like the team construction. I like it's being aggressive. He's going to hit right in the middle of the order. If you get bounce backs from guys like um, Jared Kelnick, you got a running team. Our RBI, I think there's better RBI opportunity in Seattle than there is in um, in Cincinnati. But I think it's just, it's kind of like middle line. Like, I don't see the reason to really dump him off because of a tiny bit of a, a power tick down where I think um, run and RBI opportunity can be there. So it's just, it's a flat line for me. And Frank, your Yankees acquired Josh Donaldson and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa for Gio Urshela and Gary Sanchez. What are your thoughts on this one? Because yeah. Josh Donaldson in New York City, to me, is not a good marriage in terms of the media and what I know of Josh Donaldson. So I think this is a peculiar, it makes sense on paper. I'm a little worried about this one in practice, or is it just get Gary Sanchez out of town? Oh, I mean, as a Yankee fan, I was ecstatic that I don't have to watch Gary <laughs> Sanchez try to catch balls. I mean, he didn't really do much catching, actually. But uh, yeah, so from a pure Yankee perspective, I'm fine with the move. It kind of caught me off guard. It's didn't really think that they needed to upgrade third base. They get their stopgap shortstop because obviously they're very excited about the prospects that are coming. Anthony Volpe, the shortstop of the future there. Uh, so they get, you know, likely one year out of Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. Donaldson, I already liked for fantasy because it felt like he was undervalued. He's going around pick 200, according to Fantasy Pros ADP. Um, and he was really good last year. I mean, you know, he hit around 250, 26 home runs, 827 OPS. He still walks a lot, strikeout rate is decent and now the team context and the ballpark is much better so now moving over to the yankees i think we're going to start to see a little bit of attacks i think he moves up probably like 30 40 spots in adp I but I'd, I'd still be willing to take him there especially with the third base position looking as bad as it is so if you miss out on chris bryan and anthony rendon and alex bregman and those guys going in the middle round i think josh donaldson is a great fallback option and then Kiner Falefa, you know, if you play in a yeah. deeper Roto categories league, I think he could be like a 10 homer, 280 hitter, 20 plus steals. Uh, and again, the context for the team is really good. So if you do play in a deeper format and you need some speed late, I think IKF is fine. I can't, I'm glad you brought him up because that was, I, I wanted to, to talk about him because I almost put him in the next section of what we're going to talk about when we're kind of talking about bargains, not just to poke at Paul Sporer and our ongoing uh, Isaiah kind of Falifa uh, beef <laughs> or anything like that, but because he, I mean, this is a guy that is going to stay on the field. He can run if the team is going to allow him to run. He's going to get that every day. And his position, his position eligibility is going to work in his favor where, I mean, Josh Donaldson get hurts all the time. He can move over to third. The thing we don't know, 100%, but what if he got some catcher run again and he got that eligibility into the season? That was so, what was so enticing about him in Yahoo last year that I think the steal potential could uptick. And you actually, I think, gave a pretty aggressive line. If he were 10-ish homers, 20 stolen bases... He's probably, I think I saw uh, some of the roster resource depth charts like around, 
think seven or eight or something like that. You're going to get run opportunity. He's going to be kind of devoid in RBI. I think post like 250 or wherever he is, he's kind of a, I don't know if I want to go as far as bargain. That's why I didn't put him in, but I think he's close to that. If you're looking for a little bit deeper league in a middle infield for an uptick in stolen bases. And I don't know, God knows, man, he could jump into a little bit more power. Maybe he gets pushed up in the lineup if there's injuries. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities with him and his position eligibility is really going to help. And he might get some more spots with the Yankees. A one-year deal for Nelson Cruz for the Nationals. This makes sense to me, guys, because if you're the Nationals, you give Soto some support there for a few months, and then you trade him off, and basically you spent money to get prospects, right? I mean, Welsh, that's pretty much what this Cruz deal is, isn't it? Uh, well, I mean, I think on paper for us is what it looks like, but I, but he mentioned that the reason he came here was because he was sold maybe a bill of goods, but he was sold that the team still plans to make more moves, that they still plan to make this team competitive. And I know yeah, I could see that, oh, that, that smug, like, all right, like look, that you just gave Robert but, De Niro face on this one. But yeah. I would say this though, yeah. so many more of the fringe teams are and that's a really good Robert De Niro, by the way. That looks like face swap Robert De Niro. If there was ever a reason besides my baseballism Ken Griffey 8-bit hat to look at is uh, Joe's De Niro face right now. But the fringe teams in each division are more palatable to potentially jump in to the playoffs now with Expanded that I don't think the Nationals, I don't think it's silly. It's regardless of us looking at the dumb roster, but look at the pitching that they have. This is a team that is kind of pot committed to make a stab at it unless they can unload. And guess what? They showed us they're not going to take a stab at it because they signed Nelson Cruz. I think they still got a bullet or two to make, and I think they're going to make a run. So you say trade candidate, if they lose and Corbin is back to two pitches and, and both unsuccessful, and Strasburg back on the IL, okay, yeah, then Cruz is absolutely going to get probably slung over to the Padres or something like that. But I don't know. Nelson Cruz's words, to me, make it seem like he's going to be there for uh, a bit, and I like the move. All right, Frank, we've got left-handed pitcher Carlos Rodon signing a two-year deal with uh, the New the, excuse me, the New York Giants. I've been in football all day. The San Francisco Giants for $44 million. So Obviously, a spectacular season for Carlos Rodon last year, especially the first half. It was actually fantastic. Then a little bit of missed time, a little bit of regression, which was going to happen because he was so far off the chart. And this is what I struggle with, Frank, because the Giants have had a really good history of plucking some of these guys and them continuing or having success there for the first time. So does the fact that the Giants went after him and that group specifically give you cautious optimism for his value this year and, and maybe beyond? Yeah, so I actually really like the circumstances here for Carlos Rodon. Not only signing with the San Francisco Giants, they've done great work with really not just pitchers, but hitters as well. I mean, they've just done fantastic the past couple of years with Brandon Crawford and Evan Longoria and Brandon Belt and Buster Posey getting uh, as much as they can out of those guys. But most recently, Kevin Gosman, Drew Smiley was really good there as well. They got a lot out of Alex Wood. And now Carlos Rodon uh, jumps into the mix. I love the contract that they gave him to me, that was more than anything else here is the fact that they were okay committing $44 million over two years when he wasn't even given the qualifying offer by the Chicago white Sox. So I always found that curious. The white Sox didn't give it to him. Uh, and, And then another team goes out and what I consider a pretty smart team, in the San Francisco Giants, they go out and they give him two years uh, in each year is worth more than that qualifying offer. Uh, and on top of that, he was just ridiculous last year. So there's a lot of moving parts here. He dealt with the shoulder injury. It's been an issue for him, you know, all throughout his career. Uh, velocity was down over his final four stars. He was like down at like 92, 93, whereas for most of the season, he was around 96. 
I'm with you, Joe. I mean, he's a tough one for me to figure out. I've been much lower on him basically all offseason. I have moved him up, but not enough. I think people, there's always going to be someone in a draft who likes Carlos Rodon more than me. And as a result, I'm, I'm probably not going to wind up with a lot of them. Clayton Kershaw goes back to the Dodgers one year, 17 million is important for the Dodgers too. And, and Welsh, this also feels like as we get the Trevor Bauer news that there's going to be an investigation there. This seemed like a, just a smart thing for all parties to come to an agreement there. What are your thoughts on Kershaw this year in terms of, uh, I know last year you were somebody I remember talking to that was, you know, very pro drafting Kershaw. I was still yeah. on the fence about it. So are you ready to go down that well again this year? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think this is one of the best case scenarios you could possibly have. It's a situation for lots of wins. It's a team he's familiar with. There's no transitional period. It's a great offense. Still to be seen if they are going to spend more. You don't love that the Dodgers... Well, you could look at it both ways. I was going to say, you don't love that the Dodgers might occasionally throw in a six-man rotation or a deep bullpen or something like that, but that actually works in favor of a guy like Kershaw. You know, right. you, might, you don't have to hate the idea of him having an occasional start skipped or, you know, maybe him going only five or something like that because you want him to be clean. You want him to be healthy, and you want him to be able to make through. I mean, can you really count past 150? I think it's the best-case scenario when he pitches, and this is like a big key for me with a lot of guys. I know we get bogged down and we kind of say the same things. We're like, oh, the guy's... You know, blah, 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 never going to draft him. You know, Jacob DeGrom, just not going to touch him, never going to draft him. He's never going to be healthy. We always do that stuff. But like when Kershaw is going, he's one of the best. Now, if it's only for 130 innings and it gets you at a critical time, that sucks. But guess what? Cost? Mwah! It's a beautiful cost right now. So I'm all for mm. it. And, um, you know, I'm not really sure if it is like dictating what's going on with Bauer, though the Bauer thing is like continuously getting. Well, I think again. if you're the Dodgers, you want to cover yourself and make sure you have somebody in that third spot in that rotation, because after the third yeah. spot, you've got guys you're, you're, you're optimistic about that. You hope things go well, but you're not exactly sold on everybody there at four and five. So I, I think every rotation's like that. I mean, the Mets are like that. And when speaking of the Mets, you're talking about Creighton Kershaw, who is number 38 overall in terms of pitchers on Fantasy Pros. 37 is Chris Bassett, who is now a New York Met, part of the Oakland jettisoning of players. So this is another really important one because of the Jacob deGrom potential health issues, right, that are looming over everyone who drafts him this year. Max Scherzer at the top of that rotation with him is great. But really, you know, you had uh, a knee surgery for Taiwan Walker. You had Carlos Carrasco was not healthy all year last year. So getting somebody to stabilize this rotation – I mean, to me, Chris Bassett is a slam dunk. Last year, 157 innings. He had 12 wins, 159 Ks, 39 walks, 315 ERA, a 106 whip. Frank, what do you think of this Chris Bassett addition to that Mets rotation? Yeah, so overall, I think he's annually undervalued. He's got a 3.23 ERA since the start of 2018. That is 15th among qualified starting pitchers. But you dig a little bit deeper and you look at the career splits and I kind of worry about Chris Bassett. Not that he's moving to a much worse ballpark, but Oco really is one of the best places to pitch in baseball. So uh, in his career, a 2.58 ERA in Oakland, a 4.34 ERA on the road. So again, another one moving from the AL to the NL, Universal DH now. I wonder if there's a bit of a transition period. Uh, I think he's fine where he's going, but you know, much like he's going to stabilize the Mets rotation, I think that's what you're relying on him to do in, in in your fantasy rotation, right? I mean, he's a stabilizer. I don't think that he has, like, tremendous upside or anything. Uh, he's fine. I worry a little bit about a transition period for him as well. Let me ask her who quick, do you want? Uh, wait, wait, yeah, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, you're going to do, do what want? I was going to do. Yep. I'm going to do it. I'm yep. going to do what you were going to do. Who do you want? Chris Bassett or Clayton Kershaw? They're right back, what I was back in do. ADP. Let's go. I will take the upside of Clayton Kershaw. On a per-start basis, I still think he's better 
swinging strike rate was the best of his career last year. Like we're talking about a Hall of Famer, like perennial Cy Young contender, uh, and his swinging strike rate was actually the best it, it, it's ever been last year. So I'll take him, but it's close. It's funny, Welsh, because because if you look around, you know the ERA for Bassett was better. The strikeouts were more because he threw more innings. But you're right. In, in a head-to-head, I think I would take Kershaw because of start-by-start. In Roto, I think it's more of a discussion. I'd probably take Kershaw, but I I know what you're doing, Welsh, right? Yeah, no, I, I I'm glad we were both like. Well, it's all it's funny. We have like three hosts here. We all have that host mindset where I'm like, no, no, let me <laughs> let me ask this question because it's a hundred percent what I was gonna say is this is a really good one. I in my own personal ranks, I've got Kershaw a couple SP spots higher than Bassett. And I like Bassett. I like the destination. Again, targeting, you know, especially boring pitchers. A lot of like these boring, like Nathan Yavaldi, Charlie Morton. These guys are boring, but they're really good for teams, uh, team construction. And uh, Bassett is really good for that as well, going to a place where you're going to be able to stack on wins. But in both formats, I'm going to take Clayton Kershaw. Uh, you get the win format. He's also, I think, one of just the best pitchers when he's on health seems to be there. He was actually over at the uh, Players Association training facility out here in Mesa for a couple days, you know, getting some private work in as well. Seems healthy. So it is Kershaw on both fronts for me, but I'm, uh, are we sweeping it, Joe? Yeah, you said you're taking Kershaw. Yeah, so we're all sweeping Kershaw I, yeah you know me. I'm a head-to-head dude. I don't, I don't go for this season-long stuff. Not for me. I need more action. Uh, but look, uh, I mean, you're right. Start-by-start basis. He's Clayton Kershaw. He's a Hall of Famer, right? So I think that ADP is a little screwy right now. We'll see. We'll see how that changes things. Let's take a quick break in the action to tell you about Manscaped. March Madness is here, and not everyone can have the perfect bracket, but you, you can have the perfect set of balls this tournament season. That's right, with our sponsor, Manscaped. I know you're out there sweating out the games, and you get sweaty and disgusting, and you want to make sure you lather yourself up from head to toe with all the amazing skincare products at manscaped.com with the ultra premium collection. The ultra premium collection from Manscaped includes the Lawnmower 4.0 electric trimmer that's got advanced skin safe technology. Manscaped premium deodorant, not for your balls, but for your stinky armpits because they're gross from all that sweating I talked about earlier. The hydrating body moisturizer, the body wash, the two-in-one shampoo and conditioner, which I really don't use because I'm bald. But look at you, you got a beautiful head of hair use it plus you get a free gift a three-pack set of lip balm that's made with ingredients such as vitamin e peppermint and eucalyptus oil to keep those chappers feeling moist that's four products a gift inside the ultra premium collection what a score my goodness i'd recommend you going right now to manscaped.com and use that promo code joey p at manscaped.com to get your 20 percent off and free shipping again that promo code is joey p you tell him i sent you at manscaped.com and make this tournament season special so you don't bust out of your brackets and then start to stink up the joint so head to manscaped.com today. And now back to the action. Uh, of course, with spring training on not only come signings and there's still a lot of big guys out there, but also come injuries. So Zach Wheeler uh, experiencing shoulder soreness during his throwing program in December, all the way back there. Jack Flaherty just got sent for medical evaluation on his right shoulder. So Welsh, um, you want to take one of these? <laughs> How you feeling about some of these pitchers? I mean, this is the thing. I almost feel like we're getting to a point where it's zero SP is going to be my new theory of drafting baseball teams. Like, you know, yeah. the zero RB theory is going to have to drag itself over. But what do you think? Well, and also throwing Zach Gallen, who's Zach Gallen. Gallen's uh, another one. MCL yes, issues, which I think he spoke mm-hmm. on it today over at the Diamondbacks facility. You know, I agree with you, but part of the thing I don't like is that 
with what you're saying, like a lot of the, the fun guys that you want to take kind of on that back end, those are the ones that seem to be struggling. Like not Wheeler, like Wheeler's kind of the elite range, but Flaherty has been a really kind of popular one for me when I start to really want to dip into that pitcher range. Like he's there and it's like, oh, you know, top SP1 upside. Now you take him off the board. 1000% gallon is one of those guys as well. Um, this is just a funny anecdotal thing, but you know, I love, like, I love to draft Blake Snell and I also do my impersonation of him. Oh man, I got to get paid. This is Blake Snell here. I saw him yesterday, uh, two days ago at Padres, at the Padres facility, man. In leading yo, Blake Snell one day. Yo, uh, Joey P, I got, I swear to God, he talked like this yesterday. He's like, oh man, I got to go back in the inside. So he's coming back and someone wanted to talk to him and, and he just got done throwing and he goes, Oh man, I gotta go inside. I'm hot. I got hot out here. And he went inside because he was warm. And I was just like, "Come on, Blake, you warm? You're warm in Arizona? Like, I don't want to give him a soft rating or anything like that." But I like Blake. But beside the point, guys like Gallon and Flaherty, those are targets. Those are targets that I want. And now that you're getting, you know, we're getting the repercussions of the lockout where players couldn't speak to uh, any of their trainers. They couldn't speak with the organization to go. Th- I mean, Tatis is another example of that, that I do worry a little bit overall on pitching as we've been pumping them up. How many more guys, you know, over the next week, more. how many more guys are we going to get more. like a oh, little sore arm over here, a little thing over here that I don't know if I've decided, is that a punt SP strategy or is that, Oh my God, cling to the top guys, similar to what you're doing with closers, cling to the guys that you know right now, Sands uh, Wheeler, and then try not to dip your toes too far in, you know, to like, oh, I'm going to build my rotation about all these other guys. Then you're going to get Darvish, Kershaw, and Gallon, and then you're going to have absolutely nobody pitching for you in June. So I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm going to punt. Frank, how scared are you specifically of Wheeler too? Because last year was the big breakout. Now you got to pay the premium. So he is being drafted as a top guy because he performed like a top guy last year, even though the track record has told you he's up and down for his career. Now you throw in a potential shoulder issue. What does that do to his draft stock? Yeah, so I lowered him from, I had him as my SP4 and I moved him down to SP12. So just behind Lucas Mm -hmm. Giolito and Aaron Nola, it might be an overreaction. I saw that he threw a bullpen yesterday. And then curiously enough, you know, we're doing this Tuesday, March 15th. Uh, they they came out and said that now, now he has the flu, so he's not going to throw his next bullpen. So I don't know. It seems a little. He's fishy. got the flu in his shoulder. That's the problem. Right. He's got that that shoulder flu. The, that happened news. with Chris Sale a couple of years ago. Remember, he was like sick, and then oh, he needed Tommy John like a week later. Oh, that's funny how that worked out. Um, I I had the same thing. I think Welsh, you remember right? I I had a stuffy nose, and next thing you do, I had a complete ACL redo. That that's that's. I thought you were you're like you're like oh yeah, I had some sniffles, and then I broke my foot, and you're like what? What's the correlation here? <laughs> Well, who, um, let me, so you said you have, forgive Wheeler at 12. Yep. Is B, you have Bieber ahead? I have Bieber ahead of him, Sandy Alcantara, Julio Rios, Lucas Gilito, and Aaron Nola. So okay. I'm at like the three, four turn in a 12 team league. So how far off and, and especially with some of the new news, would you consider, is Robbie Ray in that category? I'm just curious, like is Robbie Ray in that range where you go, there's too much fear with Wheeler right now that Ray in Seattle might be uh, a better bet. So he is the very next starting pitcher that I have behind Zach Wheeler. Mm -hmm. And and to me, that was like the cutoff where I'm still willing to take the risk, the health risk with Zach Wheeler, because I think that there's a bunch of just overall risk with Robbie Ray as well. Not me. Give me Robbie Ray all day over Zach Wheeler right now. I am, I am content. I did it in the last mock draft episode. If you remember Welsh, I was like, I'm good. Let's go. Robbie Ray could be my dude. I'm I'm away from pitching. You like those I tight very, pants, I know. 
I do. I got those tight pants on. Uh, all right. A couple other uh, things to talk about before we shift gears to the draft day bargains. And we'll get to those guys in the second half of the show, as promised. So no more 10-day IL. It's going to be the 15-day again, which I think is important. Welsh, how does that impact, in your opinion, transactions now? Because we all thought, oh, great. This is going to be a saving grace for baseball. We're going to get guys back faster. No, no, no. What happened was just everybody went to the IL all the time. Now that we're pushing it back to the 15, are we going to get a better version of fantasy because of that? Oh, boy. I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case. I think you're going to have similar arguments. Now, okay, to, to one thing I just thought about is they are so limiting calling up and down. There's not You can't do the okay. uh, Oliveris thing where you have 347 call-ups in a season. You're going to be restricted <laughs> to, like, five. So maybe if you take that on top of like really need to be discerning the IL stints, it actually could a, a, a little bit more. The only thing I worry about is you've got, you know, less of a spring that, especially maybe early on, I don't feel like that's necessarily going to be the, the case. I think teams are going to play it very safe early on. If there's anything lingering, I think they're going to throw guys out. You've got your minor leaguers that can come up. I'm just not sure you're going to see a better fantasy early. I think the opportunity for a better fantasy game is in the back half of the year as the playoff stretch comes in there's more teams that are available to go uh call-ups and call and send downs might be at a limited point that i think that's the point where teams are going to be very discerning about il stints but i'd also throw out like how much is it going to piss you off if a team doesn't want to put a guy on an il and they skip a start because he can't pitch because he's hurt, but they don't want to put on the IL for 15 days. And now all of a sudden you're, you can't even do a pickup. So consider that where if a team, like let's say, let's just say Kershaw, for example, you know, he's got a little lingering thing, but they're like, we don't want to lose him for two weeks. We just want to push the start out. Right. So instead of where before IL stint, you get a free guy for 10 days. Now you won't because they don't want to do that. So, you know, it can go both ways. These are the important conversations we're having here. Another one too is Toronto, Right now, if you're not vaccinated, you can't go play. Also, uh, I just saw this come around too. Unvaccinated players for the Yankees and Mets would not be eligible to play home games under the current COVID-19 rules in New York City. Now, those rules could change. But Frank, as of right now, that seems like kind of a big deal to me. How about you? Trying to make yeah. your fantasy lineup? Don't you kind of need those guys? <laughs> Dude, what a mess. You know, I'm wearing my TGFBI shirt right now and recently wrapped up the draft. And I think two of my first three picks were Fernando Tatis and Aaron Judge. So <laughs> just a complete mess of a situation. And, you know, it's developing right now. We'll see what happens. I mean, there was another report that uh, they the teams believe that this will be, quote, handled. The situation will be handled by opening day, which is. That you know, also makes me want to make Robert De Niro face. That sounds like some New York. Like, that sounds like some manhandling. The mafia. Like, yeah, yeah, we're going to handle this. We're going to handle this COVID vaccine stuff. Let's go, Joey. We'll talk. Yeah. Well, you know, you and me. It'll work it out. It's the problem funny. is, like, there was a there was a video. Funny, huh? someone, someone asked Aaron Judge today if he was vaccinated, and, and his answer was like, "It it's a yes or no question." And he just kind of like beat around the bush, and he's like, "Oh, you know, we'll handle it. We'll you know, we'll when, get look, I think we've all learned. Look, I don't want to make this is not a political show here. I'm just right. saying this is important to talk about from a fantasy perspective because if you can't play Aaron Judge, because if let's just use him as an example, if he's not right, this is an easy question. If you ask me, I say yes, I am. Right? It's very easy. And everyone who hems and haws. Eh, typically they either don't want to have a conversation about it for one reason or another. They don't want to stir up something or they're not. So if I can't play Aaron judge, I agree. I, I think it's going to be handled, but it's certainly something right now that under the current rules, it's something we have to talk about. 
because it could have a huge impact, especially in those daily transaction leagues, trying to, try to move guys all over the I, place. I think I heard Gio wasn't, Gio or Urshela, and then he just got traded. You got to wonder, like, did that play a little bit of a role in that as well? I doubt it, but it's not impossible. It's not impossible. Oh, no. Also, we have to use insider Chris Welsh, who was at the field today. He's got some breaking news. He tweeted it earlier, oh. but you've got a guy, a prospect of the White Sox, uh, working out a different position. So this is why we love having Welsh on the show. You know, he is Ken Rosenthal without the bow tie, or or maybe he does. I don't know. I haven't seen oh, – you could pull off the bow tie. I think a lot uh, of the right, – you, you, so? you think Welsh could pull off the bow tie? I think he's, oh, yeah. I think he's good. One thousand. Uh, I can't pull you off know the what? Boat. I'll try it sometime. If someone wants to send me a bow tie, like, I'll I'll pub some coming. Like, I wish I could pull more things off. Like, I, I barely think I can pull off hats. Like, I've tried cowboy hats. It's awful. I don't think I'm a pull-off type of guy. Cowboy but... hats, no. Baseball caps, yes. Bow ties, yes. I think we can agree on that. I did, I did pull off inside, some of stuff. Give us the inside scoop because we might have a guy who, I don't say changing positions, but maybe might be getting a look this spring at a position. Maybe, yeah, so I was over at the White Sox facility today. Got to see Chris Rose, by the way, uh, who now with John Boy Media, and talk with him for a little bit. Um, all the guys were out there. They were doing hitting drills. And they've got kind of a glut of corner infield, outfield players. They also just signed Josh Harrison, who was speaking with the media. And I go over to one of the side fields. It's There's like the big main fields, and there's kind of like a private. It's only an infield. A lot of the teams have these. Diamondbacks have them. And it's just an infield. And working over there is Paven Smith at first and Andrew Vaughn at second base. And I was like, wait a minute. You know, because sometimes you get guys that just like go over to second during BP and they just do whatever. But no, this was three coaches working with Vaughn, talking him through each one, and they would hit it to Gavin that then could roll it over, you know, and, and Andrew Vaughn could play the full run. And I got some video of it. I tweeted it out. Um, and after it was asked... Just, uh, someone asked, hey, are you going to be playing in the outfield this year? And he kind of hemmed and hawed a little bit. He's like, eh, you know, we'll see where they want to play me. And then he goes, I just want to play wherever the coaches want me. And this is literally <laughs> him coming off of running second base drills where they were they talk with him. They were doing full grounders. I mean, we were doing the full thing. So just something to consider out there that I don't think they're stuck or they really know what position he's going to play. Doesn't sound like outfield might be the lock. And I think they're just trying to get uh, position flexibility. But I think they got Lori Garcia there and Josh Harrison. But Andrew mm -hmm. Vaughn working at second base. So uh, keep an eye on that. Maybe some future flexibility or just major questions about, you know, how the hell they can get him in the lineup. We've still got Freddie Freeman, Carlos Correa, Chris Bryan, and a host of other free agents yet to sign. So make sure you have our Fantasy Pros News Desk app on your mobile device so you know when all the breaking news happens, and that way you will stay up to date with this, all of it. Now let's talk a little Get your Welsh bombs. Get your Welsh bombs. <laughs> yeah. Is it the Welsh? Drop my Welsh bombs. Sorry. That's right. Welsh bombs all over. Again, you, hey, look, you got the good footage out there. He's out there in Arizona, in the heat. He could stand it. Blake Snell cannot. Welsh is still out oh, there. Oh, man, it was so hot. Joey, man, it, it was, was so hot, hot man. man. man it I'm going to write hot. a rap song about it. Dang, he was so hot. Well, Frank, do you know how hot it was out there? Getting hot in her. It Sounds hot. hot, Frank. <laughs> All right, let's go with some draft day bargains right now. Frank, let's start with you. Who is a draft day bargain? We're going to get 10 of these, five each for the boys here. Give me your first one that you think is... Uh, going a little later than he should, and you think is actually a good return on investment. All right, I'm going to go with the old, boring veteran, Charlie Morton, who has an ADP of 86.2, yes. and feels like he's just being undervalued because he's 38 years old. But uh, you look at what he did last year, 3.34 ERA, 104 whip, over 200 strikeouts. Uh, and really, from 2017 on, 
He's been fantastic. 3-3-4 ERA, 1-1-3 whip, well over a strikeout per inning. He did have that blip in the short in 2020. He dealt with a shoulder injury, but he bounced back mm-hmm. last year. Velocity was fine. Swinging strike rate was awesome. Back with the Atlanta Braves. Yes, he's coming back from the broken leg, but so far he's been good in uh, training camp. He's been throwing bullpens, and I, I think that we're going to start to see his price actually rise a little bit. I think people were worried about, you know, where's the health with Charlie Morton at, at his age? Uh, but I think as people start to see him healthy in, in spring games, he's probably even going to rise a little bit. So if you're drafting now, I would say uh, try and get as much Charlie Morton as you can. Charlie Morton, I feel better about than Zach Wheeler. I don't care. You've broken leg and all. I feel more at ease with Charlie Morton towards the top of my rotation than I do Zach Wheeler. I don't know, maybe because I'm a Met fan and I've seen so much bad Zach Wheeler in my life. But wh- where was this Charlie Morton in his 20s and early 30s? This is the thing I want to know, Frank. I mean, it is stunning, right? This was a guy who's you know, going 157 innings, you could barely strike out 125 guys. And then as you were saying, 2017 happens. And ever since then, we're looking at 163 Ks, 201, 240 last year, 216, just a stunning turnaround of a career so late. Yeah. So he had a huge uptick in velocity. I I think that the Houston Astros, I mean, they've done this with a few other pitchers, but they really just found a way to get the most out of him. And he's always had that ridiculous curveball too. So those things in conjunction together, I mean, uh, this is the best that we've ever seen a pitch really the twilight of his career. So yeah, the velocity and and that, that big hook together, it's, it's, it's worked very well for Charlie Morton. So SP, I'm in SP 26 on the board. Gimme, gimme. I'm all over it. All right, Welsh, give me your first guy for a draft day bargain. So I've actually kind of teetered around with this guy because there's this guy. And then I kind of think there's another version of him 40 picks later, which makes him mm-hmm. an even better bargain. Uh, but just follow me here. The guy I picked, uh, kind of trying to follow Frank's model as well of like little high, little medium, a little bit low. I kind of like how he did that with the bargains because bargains are completely different for all of us. But a draft day bargain, I feel like, is Eloy Jimenez. Eloy Jimenez, who we've talked about, Joe, just because this is a high four category player that you're getting into the fifties or the sixties. I believe he was 57, uh, 56 last I looked on the ECR on fantasy pros and he can go even past 59 today. Welsh, if you could believe it, I don't know what happened, but yeah, I mean, he went down three spots from when I uh, last checked it. This which is literally last night, but we're talking like mid 30 homers. You got the good runs in the RBI. Now, the difference, the, the guy I wanted to pick, and I kind of want to throw him in here because I don't believe, I want to make sure I didn't incept uh, any brains here. Yeah, no, we're not talking about him. It's Fran Reyes because Fran Reyes to me is one of the most absolute power targets you need to have in your drafts. The problem he has is not every format, pretty much just Yahoo, is he going to qualify at outfield? Uh, if you get the outfield eligibility, then I think you're looking at like the cheaper bargain version of Eloy with a little bit of batting average risk, but he's util. So that's why I didn't jump onto it. You get more batting average and you get an actual fielder with Eloy right now where Fran Mill, you're stuck to util. That takes away Otani. Or if you take Otani, you can't have Fran Mill. And that also takes well Nelson Cruz, who's kind of a bargain. So I didn't mean to like add two in here, but I wanted it to be Fran Mill because it's like, holy no, crap, this is a solid three category, high category guy with a little sub a fourth. Eloy is four solid categories and probably one of the better offenses. And uh, if he's healthy, he's still young. He's, by the way, Eloy is younger than Fran Mill Reyes, which is like unbelievable oh, yeah. to think about. Eloy's uh, still so young. We haven't even scratched the surface of how good that kid is. And I think, yeah. you know, last year people just kind of wrote him off because of the injury, I feel like, and he didn't talk about him and, and Robert was all the buzz instead, but Jimenez is an incredible talent. I love Fran Mill too. I wish the run score was a little higher, 
It's the only thing, like even a couple of years ago when he had 37 bombs, he only scored 69 runs. And even last year, 30 dingers, 115 games, 57 runs scored. But I'm with you. I like both these guys. I want both of them on my team. And just to get an idea too, and- Fran Mil Reyes is at 115, 113, excuse me, overall in the ECR. Oh, is it real? I thought I just looked and he I had him at 96. What am I looking at? Maybe I'm looking I'm at I'm looking at the ECR ADP consensus right now. That's where I'm at. Okay. Well, I see on the fantasy baseball rankings for mixed leagues, I see him at 96, regardless of the point. He's there. And you know what I look at Eloy as? I look at Eloy as the um the backstop to Jordan Alvarez. Like everybody wants Jordan Alvarez in the second round. Everyone's like, gimme, give gimme, give four categories. That's Eloy. Like Eloy was Jordan before Jordan was, and you can get that 30 picks later. Um, and I, you know, I want to prioritize speed as much as I can on the early front of drafts. So, you know, let's say I get a top hitter. I'd like to get another speedy type of guy in the second round. I might start looking at uh, pitchers, uh, starting pitchers and closers in the third and fourth. And you might have Eloy sitting there in the fifth or sixth for you. I think I registered the absolute Best bargain pick of him in TGFBI. I got the lowest of any in any single league at 93. It's an absolute steal. It's uh, it's everything you want out of Jordan Alvarez, but just cheaper. All right, Frank, give me another name on your list of draft day bargains. All right, so I'm going to go with a first baseman, and he's part of a, a, a quartet, a group that I have dubbed the Profit Pocket. So uh, these are just undervalued. All four of these. stable. <laughs> uh, all four of these first basemen, in my opinion, are undervalued. It's Reese Hoskins, it's Joey Votto, it's Josh Bell, and it's CJ Crone. And if I miss out on, you know, the Maddelsons, which I'm very likely to do, Pete Alonzo, this is typically the, the group that I target. And Reese Hoskins, for him, it's really just been health. But when he's played, especially last year, he was very good. He hit 247, lower batting average. Uh, but if you play an OBP or any type of points league, Hoskins excels in that format. He hit 27 homers in 107 games. That is a 150 game pace of 37 homers, 99 RBI. I, I just think that he provides a similar skill set to what you're asking Pete Alonzo or Matt Olson to do. And you're getting him about 60, 70 picks later. So give me the profit pocket. Give me Reese Hoskins, Votto, Josh Bell. I, I think they're all undervalued right now. I would agree with Hoskins too. I think it's unfair. I think the negativity surrounding him has lingered longer than it should have because last year was a pretty darn productive season for him. All right, let's go to another one for your list, Welsh. Who you got? Uh, in the ever, uh, you know, crazy chase of closers that we're doing this year, uh, I'm trying to help the Fantasy Pros ECR. And if you draft early closers, uh, just a, a hint, you're, the, the ranker is probably going to be me that's going to like it. Uh, I drafted closers early in ours, and it was like, guess what? The Welsh likes your draft. And I'm like, oh, thanks, man. That's really cool. Uh, I'm trying to push those up because you got to get them, especially if it's Roto. Head-to-head, you, you've got a little bit more wiggle room. There's so many question marks. And I'm not going to deny that there isn't a question mark with this guy simply because the team, but he performed well. And the closer I'm talking about, I see, at least, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, a 137 ECR right now of Jordan Romano with the Blue Jays. And the Blue Jays are going to be primed and ready for wins, wins, wins. And that is what you want. You want closers with stability. You know, you want closers with great stuff, obviously. And you want closers on teams that are going to put him in safe situations. So where people are paying up sickly for Mark Melanson with the Diamondbacks, where he might save 10 by the time the trade deadline comes, because the Diamondbacks are going to be atrocious. A guy like Jordan Romano is cheaper. He's not 
being drafted as a top five closer. He's more likely than not going to be outside the top 100. If you got a league that's, you know, pushing up closers, it might change. I've seen people take Gallegos ahead of him. I think Romano is a super, super value closer if you don't want to pay the high price. Or if you do pay the high price, uh, ATC, uh, Ariel Cohen's projection system, has him projected at 28 saves, five wins. You're looking at 11.5K per nine on one of the better uh, teams in the league. And they got pitchers that can take him deep. I like Jordan Romano. I think in a crazy closer market, he is a target and he's a bargain. Now we teased this earlier. Frank Stample, this is your opportunity to defend the honor of Willie Adams, and I am right behind you. So I like him. I like it's him. Yours. Just no, you don't. No, you don't. Don't pretend. Stop. You want him as your guy? Ahead, Frank. He's my I, guy. I like Willie yeah. I am ADP on Willie Adams, 136.8. Would not surprise me one bit if he outperforms Carlos Correa, who's going 50 spots ahead of him right mm -hmm. now. As a member of the Rays, Adamas hit 219 with a 624 OPS at home. And he spoke about how he couldn't see the ball in Tropicana Field. And it really affected him. He hit 291 with an 858 OPS everywhere else while he was a member of Tampa Bay. Then last year, 99 games with the Brewers, he basically just picked up where he left off when he was on the road. He hit 285, 20 homers, four steals, and 886 OPS. And uh, from the point that he joined the Brewers on May 22nd on here's where he ranked among shortstops seventh in batting average tied for third in home runs fourth in OPS. So uh, maybe it's, I'm just trusting a small sample size thing. You know, it's right around hundred games, but regardless, I like the ballpark. I like the lineup. They've lengthened it. They've add, added Andrew McCutcheon and just overall a lot of players there that I like Colton Wong, uh, Luis Arias. I like him there too. Christian Yelich, if he can bounce back. So uh, I'm buying the adjustments, how great he was with the Brewers ballpark lineup give me willie adamas and let me throw in this as well um with, with all the jokes aside willie adamas what could be a winning strategy is if you want to reach a little bit to ensure yourself to get fernando tatis jr i was just gonna get say willie adamas yeah no you get no, willie adamas turn. you get dansby <laughs> swanson or if you really screw up right. you get brandon crawford that's how you cover yourself if you want to take tatis right. earlier than the rest of your league mates beware it might not happen but they are the prime that's the prime guy to pair with uh fernando tatis took the words right out of my mouth uh gotcha exactly once again we're in lockstep so now that Welsh went to go get his Willie Adams shine box, you can come back and give us another player here because I'm with Frank. Let's go. Willie Adams all day. Uh, my number three, I actually talked about it last week. Uh, going through, it's really hard trying to find like your best, best bargains. But I'm going to just kind of come back to a guy that we talked about last episode or with Spore. I'm sorry, the Spore episode where you had said like, who's the next Cedric Mullins? And that's like a really big undertaking and task. But I had mentioned this guy from July to September had the six most hits in baseball during that period. Seven, I believe it was six homers, seven stolen bases or seven and eight. Uh, Amit Rosario with the uh, Guardians. I just think post 200, a guy that's got 20 stolen base potential, 15 plus homer potential. He had a great end of the season as far as hits. He might be at the top of a lineup with guys hitting behind him like Jose Ramirez and Fran Reyes. I think he's a bargain and I think he's a target, especially when you're trying to play around with stolen bases. Depending how you did earlier in draft, guys like, uh, I almost put Andrew Benintendi on this list, but I kind of like Amit Rosario, just like a notch higher uh, position flexibility. You're probably going to get shortstop and outfield. And, you know, I mean, bad things could happen. You 
you might not get the great counting stats, but I don't know. I think worst case scenario, you're probably touching the 20 stolen bases power. That'll, that'll be a major question, but you know, people are paying like top 100 almost for miles straw. And I know he's elite stolen bases, but Ahmed Rosario kind of covers you. He's a little bit more of a five tool player. So post 200 Ahmed Rosario draft day bargain in my eyes. That's another good one. All right, Frank, back to you. Who's number four on your list of draft day bargains. So I'm going with Lourdes Gurriel. He's got an ADP of 140.2, and he's been very inconsistent throughout the course of his career. Same thing last year. He got off to a slow start. First two months, he hit 249, just four homers, 632 OPS. Turns out he was actually playing through a knee injury from uh, June on. He hit 291, 17 homers, and 867 OPS, hitting the ball much harder. He was doing a better job lifting the ball during that time. He makes a lot of contact. That was even better last year, right around a 19% strikeout rate and he showed us glimpses right so in 2020 he was awesome shortened season 308 batting average and 882 ops and he's really the last opportunity to grab an everyday starting player in one of the best lineups in baseball with the toronto blue jays and i think he's going to hit right in the middle of that lineup lots of rbi opportunities uh you know maybe not a ton of power you're talking about like 25 to 28 homers but if he does that and hits for the good batting average, the counting stats are going to be awesome as well. So, Lourdes Gurriel, I'm in at the ADP 140.2. Good offensive ecosystems are important. It's important in football. It's important in baseball. Toronto's one of them. Last year was the first year he got 500 at-bats, too. So, like, 141 games from Gurriel, that's what you want to see again. If you repeat that number of games, you're looking at, I think, another 20 home runs, 80 RBI. And like you said, maybe there's room for even more, potentially. At 276 last year. If you can get closer to that 308 number in 2020, man, what a what a value he would be in the 140 range right now on Fantasy Pros. The Welsh, number four on your list of draft day bargains, is a pitcher. Yeah, this is a guy that I just seem to be targeting a whole lot, and he was kind of an anomaly last year, and it's John Gray, who is with uh, the Texas Rangers now. Uh, I like, I mean, what a difference of ballparks you're going to go through from Colorado to Texas. You've got a lot of offense support, uh, great defensive support, I think, as well. And he, he's the anomaly because he was worse on the road than he was at home. He was able to maintain a four ERA in Colorado where he was five on the road. Really bad run support as well. That And I think you get him in Texas, you get him to be the lead dog. Uh, he was really keeping the home run ball down. Even in Colorado, I think he had a home run rate. Uh, what was it? It was, yeah, 1.27 per nine, which is solid. He was a little bit walk heavy, but I like the destination change. He's a number one starter, going to get more starts in there. They pick up some cheap wins. I mean, think about the division as well. Oakland is just going to be mm -hmm. tanking it out. Right. Um, John Gray, I think, is a bargain at almost 250 to round out your rotation. I got John Gray shares everywhere. I think it's yeah. I think it's a great value because it, it doesn't cost you anything to find out. Nope. If he has a good April, awesome. Maybe you found a gem here and he's been able to turn things around at the very least be an innings eater kind of guy for you. And if he's terrible, you cut him in April and you move yeah, on to the next prospect kind of pitcher. Go get like Nick Lodolo or Hunter Green if he didn't get right. drafted. Those and guys are probably exactly. going to break camp. So Exactly, exactly. And a great point too about as Oakland is starting to jettison players also. All right, back to you, Frank. Give me the last guy on your list of draft day bargains. All right, I'm going to save the best for last. My favorite breakout candidate this entire fantasy baseball season, it is Patrick Sandoval, who was inserted into the Angels rotation on May 17th last year. He made 14 starts. During that time, 3.39 ERA, 118 whip, 86 strikeouts, over 79 and two-thirds innings pitched. His 15.3% swinging strike rate in those 14 starts, second best in baseball behind only Corbin Burns. So the swing and miss is filthy, and a lot of it has to do with this changeup that he has. It 
posted a 139 batting average against with a near 29% swinging strike rate on that changeup alone. So he's got to work on the fastball command. He struggles a little bit with walks. Slider is a serviceable pitch. I think the repertoire is there. He's coming off of a stress reaction in his back. So there are some question marks. There's a reason why he's going outside the top 200 picks. But if he could stay healthy, put everything together, I mean, I think there's legit like top 20 starting pitcher upside here for Patrick Sandoval. I love when we bring in analysts and they all say the same thing. So we had Fast and Pollock on a couple weeks ago. They were talking about Sandoval. We've got uh, Paul Sporer on last week talking about Sandoval. And now Frank Stanfall talking about Sandoval. So, Welsh, do you like Sandoval too? I just want Yeah, you know, sure. Maybe. Why not? Let's go we'll, all, all in. All, all everybody. In. All of us. We're going to all hold hands with the Patrick Sandoval. But look, if they can get 30 starts out of him and Otani's very good again, and maybe Syndergaard bounces back, maybe just maybe we finally get some of those uh, Angels guys. Finally, finally into the playoffs. That'd be nice. All right, Welsh, give us your last guy on your list. Let's turn this hat around. Let's get serious here for a minute. Let's uh, let's turn this around on baseballism. I'm going with a rookie at 289 on the ECR, a guy that I think legitimately can break camp with their team, and it's not Bobby Witt Jr. It is Spencer Torkelson. Spencer Torkelson, whom uh, Miguel Cabrera was just asked in camp the other day about playing first base, and he was just like, I don't know. He's like, I don't care. I I will play DH because I want Torkelson in the lineup. You hear Miguel Cabrera say, I want Torkelson in the lineup now. Add incentives to baseball for a guy to break camp on the opening day roster to get extra picks if they finish in the top two of Rookie of the Year. And guess what's really interesting? Bobby Witt and Spencer Torkelson Mm. sure would seem like likely candidates to finish one and two if they do. Though I do think Riley Green uh, is a guy who's just as worthy of breaking camp. Torkelson is like, he's not a big, crazy strikeout guy. He didn't do it in the minors last year. He was sub 25%, which you want. He can walk. He's had some struggles with like low-end breaking pitches kind of since he was at ASU. It was the first time I saw him at ASU versus Nick Gonzalez uh, just before the pandemic hit. But Torque has got insane raw power, insane 30, 35-plus home run power. You don't know what the adjustments are going to look like. Uh, They could be a little bit wonky, but they got Candelario that can play third. Torkelson was playing third, but he's a natural. He's a gold glove, natural third uh, first baseman. He can play that spot. And you might be throwing him in at five or six in the uh, Tigers lineup early on to break camp. So I think when you talk about speculation— what better thing to do than to speculate on Torque at this point, this late in the draft? Mm-hmm. Even though rookies can be a little bit dicey, that's like a pros pro type of guy. Like this guy is ready. He is bat ready with a position that's there with a, a decent amount of support, at least leadership that's around him. So I like uh, speculating on Torkelson on the back end of drafts. Why not? I agree. So the names on Welsh's list, uh, Eloy Jimenez, Jordan Romano, Ahmad Rosario, uh, John Gray, Spencer Torkelson on Frank's list, Charlie Morton, Reese Hoskins, Willie Adams, Loris Guriel, and Patrick Sandoval. Great stuff, guys. As always, you can follow our good friend Frank Stamfel over on the Twitter machine at roto underscore Frank and check him out on the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Frankie boy, so great Frank. to see you, my friend. And uh, thanks for giving us some of your time today. Well, thank you guys for having me again. Two of my favorites in the industry, the Welsh and Joey P together. Uh, happy to do it, guys. Love you, Frank. And if you can't get enough Welsh and Joey P together, leading off five times a week, every weekday at noon, we're going to be doing that show live on our YouTube channel at Fantasy Pros MLB. So subscribe today to that so you can be in on that. Uh, Very exciting stuff. And of course, since you subscribe to our MLB channel, you might as well enter that contest to win an Austin Riley autographed jersey at fantasypros.com slash 
MLB contest and join our discord at fantasypros.com slash chat and make sure you look at possibly upgrading your membership with us too to get all those extra AMA channels and all the extra uh, stages and things that you have access to. And don't forget to follow Is It The Welsh on the Twitter machine too because obviously he's got all this fun breaking Arizona baseball. Welsh bombs all over the place, baby. I love being a good Welsh bomb. I'm going to spring training game uh, on Thursday, by the way. Just want to point out, I'll be at the very first spring training game of the year, Diamondbacks and Rockies. I will be in attendance and I am quite excited. There you go. Welsh bombs all over the place. Go check him out there too. That'll do it for us, but the story of the game goes on. For Welsh and Frank Stanfield, I'm Joey P. We'll see you next time, kids.